Let me pray for us. O Lord, you are all wise. You know the comings and goings, as this psalm says, of our days. You know what's going to happen this year. We ask now that you'd show us um, that you're the only true source of security and help. Please give us wisdom, we pray, to see and believe in you today. Amen. Uh, Psalm 121 is a psalm which speaks to something I think we all struggle with in our hearts uh, in one form or another, and especially as we look ahead to the uncertainties of this year, I think it's, it's the problem of insecurity. What's insecurity? Well, I think it's basically when you, uh, we look at ourselves, we have an assessment of ourselves and we assess the situation or a person or something out there and we compare ourselves to the situation and then we realise that we can't actually deal with it and we struggle with that idea. Um, it's a state of feeling anxious, um, self-doubting, um, lacking certainty, maybe a lack of safety or protection. And as human beings, I think we're all constantly going through this in one form or another. Uh, so for instance, you might meet someone in your line of work who you know is more intelligent than you, you know they're more intelligent than you, they're more smart than you, they can solve problems better than you, and then you measure yourself against that person and then you come up short and what do you do? You feel insecure, don't you? You feel like you don't know what to do about that. Uh, we lack confidence around them, we doubt. And then we react, don't we? We react to the insecurity in all sorts of ways. We, we maybe form allies around ourselves, we maybe um, sort, sort of story top their stories. Um, we make ourselves look better than we are. Or maybe if you're criticised, uh, then you go on the full-blown counter-attack. Maybe that's a way of dealing with insecurity. You might talk too much. You might not talk at all. You might distance yourself from other people, afraid of what they might think of you. Or you might read too much into their thought, into their actions, what they say, and what they do. The insecure heart is... It's uncomfortable. It's not at ease. Now, it might not be other people, of course. You might have something that's coming up in your work. Uh, it could be a huge deadline you're going to meet. It could also be a situation in your family you've got to deal with. But, and it could also be the unknown of a pandemic, right? And what the year ahead might hold. And we might in ignore insecurity in our hearts. We might pretend like it's not us. But I think, and I know the better way is to take these words from this psalm, what God says, and to take them on board. Now, whether we compare ourselves to other people or a situation or a threat, this is what the psalm is speaking to. There are many things that come along in our lives. There are many things that come to us in a fallen world on our own pilgrimage with Jesus. The Lord, through these inspired words of Scripture, speaks to us today when we're feeling fear rise within us, when we've lost confidence, when we're doubting that there's, there's hope, when we're scared and we don't know what to do next. And the point of the psalm is pretty clear cut. The psalm is here to remind us as insecure people at times that there is actually security to be found. There is help 
available. There is help not in us, but in the Lord. And the good news is that in him alone is there all the help we need. And we need to trust him for it. So we're going to have a, we've got a couple of points today. Verses 1 and 2 is what we need to say. And verses 3 on to the end is what we need to hear. What we need to say, what we need to hear in our insecurity. So background information. We're in the Songs of Ascents. The psalm is sung by pilgrims, Jewish pilgrims along the journey to Jerusalem. The Songs of Ascents, as it says there, are sung on the journey towards the temple to worship God. These are pilgrims along the way. These, these, these are the songs that these journeyers would sing to orient their hearts towards the Lord. And so I can sort of imagine in my mind a whole bunch of people, families, um, old and young, sort of walking together along the road and they're singing these psalms to each other to encourage them, encourage each other as they head towards Jerusalem. So in the first two verses, the lone voice calls out. That's what I'm seeing here. The lone voice calling out and the others start singing from verse 3. So the lone voice calls out. And for us as Christians on life's journey as well, we've got to make sense of the things which cause us to be insecure. And so our first point is that what we need to say, what we need to say, express to each other and to ourselves in the midst of these insecurities. It says, verse 1, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, we live in a mountain, now mountainous place around here. Um, ben Lomond is there, that way, and it kind of looms over the, the Midlands, doesn't it? But as these pilgrims, as these Jewish pilgrims walked along, they're looking at the mountains around them, and they're not admiring the scenery here. They're not thinking, oh, that's a lovely mountain. The mountains around them aren't friendly. Maybe there are thieves waiting to steal their, their goods but more than that, I, think what the, I believe what the psalm is getting at is the threat of idolatry in the mountains. In the Old Testament, we see time and again for Israel, the mountains are places of false worship. Israel you had, a, had a huge problem with idolatry. They'd set up these shrines, unauthorised shrines, to worship either God or the false gods of the nations around them. Jeremiah 3 verse 23 says, Surely the idolatrous commotion on the hills and mountains is a deception. Surely in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. Now these idols on the mountains, they promised help. They promised help. But in the end, as Jeremiah says, that they're a deception. I was reading Habakkuk earlier this week and it describes idolatry in, in this way, in chapter 2. It says, what use is a carved idol after its craftsman carves it? It is only a cast image, a teacher of lies, for the one who crafts its shape trusts in it and makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, wake up, or to mute stone, come alive, can it teach? Look, it may be plated with gold and silver, yet there is no breath in it at all. You see, at its core, idolatry cannot help. He cannot provide the help the Lord does. Our world is full of idols. Our heart is, as Calvin says, John Calvin, a factory that sort of churns out idols. 
We worship things rather than the one who made everything. Idol worship is against God. God is against idol worship. And so you imagine these pilgrims here along the path, along the road, and they're looking around at the mountains around them. They're looking up there and, they think, and maybe some beads of sweat are starting to form on their heads. The pilgrims are walking to Jerusalem to worship the true God and they're walking in the shadow, the threat of false worship, other gods. Who knows what is lurking around the next corner? Who knows what is behind that rock over there? The dangers, the temptations of worshipping in the hills. Now, the hills could appear as, as an allurement. They could, they could go to the hills uh, for hope. Or it could be unnerving, it could be causing them concern. Life can be scary, can't it? Life can be scary. You know, the unknowns of what lies ahead, the things just out of your sight, what could happen next. Um, some unexpected event comes along into your life and, and your emotions get carried along like a log on a flooded river. They just flow. Our minds start churning and we fall down the rabbit hole into our fears. And this is why this psalm is gracious and good. It's a gracious word from our Lord. The psalm writer asks this piercing question, where does my help come from? This is a question we should ask as well. Where does my help come from? Where do we derive our sense of security? Where is our protection? Where is our help? One author put, uh, in the end, as one author puts it, there are only two answers to that question. God and anything else. There are only two answers to that question. You see, we can look for help in all the wrong places. We can, in that insecure place, turn to other things. But where should we turn? To the Lord or to, to other things? Maybe, maybe we try and find security in knowing more about the problem at hand. Where maybe, maybe you're wired this way, you just want knowledge. Maybe I'm a little bit like this. I just want to know things. When a threat comes your way, you just, you just got to figure out and know the information. You Google it, you listen to podcasts, you go onto the old YouTube, and you read articles trying to ease your insecurity with knowledge. Maybe for others of you, maybe, it's, um, maybe you, you work hard, you kind of push through it. It's stoic. You look for a sense of security in your uh, ability to go through the problem. Like a, like a steamroll through it. Maybe for others of you, you look to science for your security. You put your hope in technology to solve this medical condition. Um, and be sure, I, I love today's technology, right? I, I prefer to live now with the hospitals that we have now than 500 years ago. That's a given. But does science and technology really solve our problems? Does it solve our problems? Does knowledge, knowing something about a problem, take away the danger? Does it? No. Sometimes the hills loom as a threat, sometimes they are, they are alluring to us, maybe we want to go to them, but we can look for help in all the wrong places. So for the psalm writer and for us today, where we look for security is, is of vital importance. 
We want remedies and we look for er to every place apart from the Lord so often. But as the psalm says to us, there is only one place, one person who can truly help. The psalm writer cries out in confession. He cries out these words. Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. They're looking, un they're looking unnervingly at the hills, but where, do where does his help come from? It's not those idols up there. It's not any other help he can go to. He confesses, my help comes from the Lord. And these words are ringing out from his, his mouth and he's encouraging his fellow pilgrims. And they realise that God made the hills. In fact, God made everything. Heavens, the, the heavens and the earth, as verse 2 says, the maker of heaven and earth. It's all his. A month or so ago, I stayed up late taking photos of the Aurora Australis out near Brodie and Seely's place, actually. And it's amazing watching the green and purple beams flicker across the night sky. It's a wonder. God made the universe. He made the stars. He made the solar flares which cause the aurora. Uh, he made the mountains, the, the western tiers. They're amazing. This planet hurtles through space at 220 kilometres per second. Did you know that? 220 kilometres per second. Do you feel that? No. But God knows every detail about what is going on on this planet right now as it hurtles through this universe. Every part of this world, in every heart, in every person's situation in your life as well, he's in charge of it all. That's what the psalmist is encouraging himself with and encouraging us. As Christians, brothers and sisters, we have greater assurance of this. We know more than the psalmist knew. We can know with even more confidence that our help comes from the Lord. For the maker of heaven and earth came to earth. The maker came to us. As the Apostle Paul says of Jesus in Colossians 1 verse 16, he says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things... And in him all things hold together. See the help Jesus can provide and does provide? He's the one who made it all. He knows it all. He's the one who holds everything in his hands, in infinite power. He's in charge of everything. And he's working out all things. He's working out all things for his glory and his praise. This is no more clearly seen when the maker came to earth to provide the great help that we really need as fallen creatures, redemption from our sins and the promise that he will return one day and restore all things. That is the help we need from the maker, the one in charge of it all. Jesus has got this. He's got it. And so while we're journeying along the pilgrimage of life, there are many scary things. You know, maybe it's a health concern or a job that you were hoping for but didn't quite get to it. Maybe there's a big bill that's arrived in your letterbox and you don't know how to pay it. 
these things, they cause us insecurity and worry. But friends, our help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. He's the one who made it all and the one who cares for each of us. So these words are publicly stated. These are words to say out loud while we're in the thick of it. I remember a number of years ago, I, I was regularly visiting an elderly lady in a nursing home and she had asked me to read this psalm to her every time I dropped in. It was her favourite psalm. She would undergo many physical um, trials, many health concerns, and all the while she lived in a place where it was obvious she was nearer the end of her life than the beginning. There are fears and worries in her life, and she, she, how, did she, um, how did she go through them? By confessing these words regularly. What she knew and what she needed to be reminded of is where her help came from. She needed to hear these words and make them her confession. And if I think I'm honest and we're all honest, we need to hear them as well. So that's what we need to say. The Lord is our help. Now, secondly, what we need to hear from verse 3 to the end. This is what we need to hear, what we need to hear from each other. In verses 1 and 2, that lone voice calls out, and in the rest of the verses comes the response. You see, there's a, there's a group of voices speaking this, these verses here. The, the fellow pilgrims walking around. It's a call and response. So verse 3 on. This is the response. This is what we need to hear. We need to hear about the Lord who watches over us. Verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. Now... I often will say to my kids, be careful on the playground. Don't fall off. (laughs) Um, Don't run on the gravel. Uh, You'll fall over. Now, when I say those words to my kids, do I say them to you guys? Yeah, yep. Who knows whether that actually would happen or not? If I, (laughs) like, who knows whether they'll be safe? But when the psalm says, he will not let your foot slip, this is a more certain word for us. There's no way that our Father will let us fall off the path. You know, we won't wrench our knee by tripping over something. Doesn't Jesus say that our Father in heaven knows the hairs on our head? Doesn't he say that our Father in heaven knows our needs? Doesn't he say that he looks after the birds of the field and how much more we can have confidence in him that he will look after us? Unlike when I tell my kids to be safe, God actually has the power to stop harm overcoming us. As the verse continues, because as the verse continues, he is the God over Israel who doesn't slumber nor sleep. He doesn't slumber nor sleep. He doesn't doze off on the couch. Um, Who can remember back to Christmas Day? Did anyone in your immediate family doze off after lunch? Anyone in our house, Ned? Uh, maybe. Yes, there were. There was a few people, there was a few tired eyes. Now, God doesn't fall asleep when he's meant to be watching the kids. He doesn't fall asleep, deep, a deep sleep at night. He doesn't sleep. The pagan gods, they were known for being sleepy and really grumpy when the pesky humans woke them up. 
But not so the Lord, the true God of Israel. He doesn't sleep. He's always there with you on the path. He doesn't, he's, always there, he's always there to help. See verse 5 as it says, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. Now earlier this year we bought one of those cheap portable gazebos from Bunnings, 100 bucks, and we, we've used it maybe 100 times, maybe not that many, but we're loving it. We're loving the gazebo on the backyard. The sun is at full strength here in Tassie at the moment. We need the protection from the sun. God is something like that. He, this verse is describing the shade the Lord provides. He's shielding, he's protecting. Maybe like a beautiful leafy tree which you sit under in the sun. It's an image of the kingly rule of God. His protection, his shelter for his people. Because verse 6, the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. What's that about? It makes best sense to think about the danger of idolatry again and the evil practices of Israel. So in 2 Kings 23, it's when King Josiah is reforming the nation, he says in verse, it says in verse 5, he did away with the idolatrous priests appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and on those around Jerusalem who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and moon, to the constellations and all the starry hosts. You see the idols, they're false gods, they're of, of the sun and the moon. God protects his people from them. Whatever religion or idol, whatever form it takes today, whatever false god has a go at Christ and his church, God is there, he's watching over his people, he's providing his shade, his shelter, no matter what attack comes. We're safe under the, the shade of the Lord. He doesn't go for a nap. He's never shocked when something happens to us. He's not... Um, He's not outmaneuvered or defeated. This is what we need to remind each other, what we need to hear. And if we really needed further convincing, the psalm writer slams his point home in the last two verses. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. In summing up all that has come before, God is guarding his people. He's unfailing and unending in keeping us safe, even while we walk under the shadow of the mountains. Christ, you see, has the best insurance policy on, on offer for those who believe in him. He offers absolutely cover, totally comprehensive, all situations, every circumstance, not only now, but for eternity. We have a beautiful description in these words of the comprehensive, absolute care of the Lord for his people. Jesus says this in a similar way in Luke 21. He says, You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives and friends, and I'll put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm you will gain life. No one goes missing. No one misses the school bus on the excursion. No man left behind. You will arrive safely at your destination. 
Jesus says in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That's what Christ promises his people. Help, security. These are the words we need to hear and say to each other for we all struggle along the journey, don't we? We need to remind each other, we need to say and hear these words, words like this in this psalm. God is totally committed to us. There's no part of your life that is beyond his control. In him there is absolute security. Friends, we need to look to the God of this psalm. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, nothing in the next year, nothing... Um, no disease that you can get, no disaster, no trouble, no unexpected diagnosis, no situation at work, nothing in your friendships. The God who made heavens and earth made you and he cares for you. He knows your comings and your goings. You can trust him. So when we're threatened or feel insecurity in rising within us, when we're feeling overwhelmed, look to the maker. Look to Christ. Go to the God enthroned and in charge of all others, to the only source of help. Go to him. He alone is your help. He is the maker of heaven and earth.